Thank you for listening to the Calvary Monterey podcast. Please visit calvary.com to learn more about our church. And visit nateholdridge.com for additional Bible teaching from our lead pastor, Nate Holdridge. I have the privilege of introducing the Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek pastor today. Jared and Angela are known around here, have been here before. And uh, it's fun when you know someone and you consider them a friend. I do this sometimes. I just think, what are the adjectives that I would hang on this person? What would I say if I had five chances to say something about this person? Uh, What would I say? And so he's over here. I'll embarrass him thoroughly, I trust. Here here are the words that I would say about this, this pastor teacher. He's sensitive. He really cares about people. He's, he's not thick-skinned. He's serious. He really takes his, his ministry seriously and is um, all about it. He's thirdly what the Bible calls earnest. If you've ever studied that word, it's an interesting one. It means someone that's intent on doing something important. He's caring. When you talk to him and to Angela about their church, they talk about the people that are hurting and what's happening, and they, they have their finger on all that's happening in that flock. And finally, I would call him persevering. To pastor a church in Walnut Creek in the Bay Area for eight years now, a church that you planted, that takes endurance. So those are my words for him. And now, uh, Jared, we welcome you to come. Please teach us the word. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Appreciate you, man. Both services, he just tries to get me to cry before I come up here. He's like, I'll show you what sensitive looks like. This guy's going to cry like a baby. Well, good morning, Calvary Monterey. Great to be with you all this morning. Thankful for the opportunity to be here with you all. I shouldn't start saying y'all, because I'm not from the South, and once I start doing that, I just, it, I don't know what happens, but it just, I start saying it all the time, and it's just not good, so I'm going to stop myself, but I do want to thank Pastor Nate for inviting me to come share God's Word here today, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Riley, Heather, all the staff here, you guys as a church have been a blessing to me and my family over the years, whether you know it or not, whether you know that you're a part of that blessing towards our family and our church uh, back in Walnut Creek. Uh, We're thankful for you all. And uh, man, it's just an honor to be here. So let's pray. Let's give our time to the Lord this morning. Father, we are thankful. Thankful, Lord, to God be, Lord, those who were once not a people, but now are called the people of God. Lord, who once were a people who had not obtained mercy, who have now received it. Lord, all because of your grace, all because of what you've provided for us through Christ Jesus. And so, Lord, we draw near to you today because you've given us that access, Lord, and you desire for us to come, even as Pastor Jeff read in that passage of Isaiah, Lord, that you you call us to come. Why? Because you want us, because you love us, because you desire us. And so, God, would we desire you in return, Lord? Would we love you in return this morning? 
And God, would that show in how we receive your word now? Lord, how we worship you as we listen and as we seek to apply your word this morning, God. So would you move here in our midst? Lord, move in our hearts. God, bless those. Lord, here on site, those joining online. Lord, pour out your spirit upon us this morning. Have your way. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and open your Bibles to Psalm chapter 6 with me. As I prepared for this study in Psalm 6, I thought about how powerful music or songs can be. You know, whether that's just instruments, uh, how many of you by a show of hands have seen Star Wars before, any of the Star Wars movies? A lot of you. Imagine if instead of the whole orchestral sort of score, it was folk music. It wouldn't carry the same sort of thing, right? We'd be like, this is the weirdest space movie I've ever seen in my life. It's like Bob Dylan with his harmonica singing, you know, and playing as the ships flying through space. It wouldn't carry the same thing. Music can be powerful. It can make or break a movie, right? Uh, same thing with a choir, you know, or maybe it's a, a band, there's music and, uh, and also singing together. You know, m- music or songs, they can provoke strong emotions in us. Joy, singing loudly in our shower, like Mariah Carey, in our car. All of a sudden, we become like a drummer, and we're like, I actually had a friend who, for a lot of years, he carried drumsticks in his car, and he would bang on the steering wheel. I was always afraid that at some point the airbag might go off. I don't think it ever did, but he told me one time that at one point, I think he was driving on the freeway, like in LA, and he was, you know, rocking out. He's playing the drums with the drumsticks, and he turns over, and there's a dude in the car next to him playing like the clarinet or something. (laughs) Like, how epic is that? Uh, like all of a sudden there's just a sweet jam session going on. (laughs) Music can make us sad. It can can cause us to feel somber. It can, you know, if you're like me in my junior high sort of years and I sort of got into the hardcore scene a little bit, maybe even some anger or angst and all of a sudden you want to run around in a circle like you're in a mosh pit crashing into other people. By the response, that's none of you which is fine. I said junior high. Stop judging me. (laughs) That was like 15 years ago. No, I'm just kidding. Music or songs, they can even transport us to another time and place as songs can become strongly attached to memories and moments of time. I'll just be honest, a little vulnerable here with you this morning. A few personal examples of this in my life. When I hear the song Baby Baby by Amy Grant... I can remember how as an extremely nervous preteen, my vocal teacher at the time, which I only took vocal lessons for a very short period of time, made me sing that that song, Baby Baby, at a yogurt shop. (laughs) First of all, that's just so weird in all kinds of ways. Like people are dispensing their yogurt. This young boy, prepubescent, is singing Baby Baby in the corner. Just odd. But that song carries that sort of memory for me. 
You know, when I hear this song, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen, I can't help thinking of my high school era and watching Wayne's World with Wayne and Garth and they're rocking out in the Mirthmobile to that song. Or, you know, me and my wife, Angela, are in the car together or wherever we might be and the song Can't Fight This Feeling by REO Speedwagon comes on. That song has a strong connection in our minds of being our song for almost 22 years since we were just a young couple dating and falling in love with each other. There have been countless songs written throughout human history. Many of them hit on the same themes. You think about it, like there's love and there's fear and there's victory. Like there's, there's not too many, it's kind of all the same sort of thing, but they can affect us in different ways. You know, music or songs can even be used by the Lord to minister to the heart of a person. Maybe, how many of you maybe in a time of listening to some songs of praise, maybe here even on a Sunday morning where God's just ministering to your heart, maybe even just some tears start to fill your eyes because God's doing something through those songs. And ultimately, music or songs, they can be used to worship the Lord, to bring honor and glory and praise to him. And before us in our Bibles, we have psalms, songs, written by real people who experienced real things and had a real God who they wrote these songs to or, or about, and in the same God we're worshiping today. And while many of the psalms hit on the same sorts of themes or issues, each one can be used to minister to the heart of a person, to minister to our hearts, no matter what we're going through, no matter where we're at, and they can be used to bring honor and glory and praise to Jesus Christ. And I pray God uses Psalm 6 this morning to do both of those things in our lives and in our time of gathering. I've titled this study in Psalm 6, Confidence in Times of Difficulty. Let's start by reading the inscription at the beginning of this psalm. Maybe your Bible has that at the top there of the psalm. It says, To the chief musician with stringed instruments on an eight-stringed harp, a psalm of David. Study's over. God bless you all. We'll see you next time. No. Now, <laughs> while there are psalms, Songs, where we're given some of the setting, the context of why or when it was written, Psalm 6 is not one of those psalms. We don't know the when or why of David writing this, but we're going to see this uh, psalm and in this psalm that David was dealing with discouragement and maybe even depression because of things internally in his mind or externally in his circumstances. That David was dealing with some sort of physical illness and suffering that brought about uncertainty of whether he was going to die because of it. That, that David was dealing with enemies who were adding to his grief. And that there may have even been some sin that David committed. And because of that, the conviction or consequence of that sin was weighing heavily upon him. But I, I also want us to see that this psalm wasn't a sort of secret diary entry, something David wrote that he, he planned to keep between him and the Lord that no one else would ever see. No, this was something David wrote and he gave it to the chief musician, the choir master of the house of the Lord. That, that was to be accompanied by stringed instruments and most likely 
singing. Not only was this psalm, this song, a lament, it was also a song of testimony for others to hear or read so that others, including us today, could know that in our times of difficulty, we can have confidence in the Lord as well. Now, we're going to divide this psalm into two sections this morning. In verses 1 through 7, we're going to see clearly David crying out to the Lord. And then in verses 8 through 10, we're going to see David's confident declaration about the Lord. And so we're going to read some chunk of verses up front here, verse 1 through verse 7. Here we go. David writing, he says in verse 1, O Lord, do not rebuke me in your anger, nor chasten me in your hot displeasure. Have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But you, O Lord, how long? Return, O Lord, deliver me. O save me. For your mercy's sake, for in death there is no remembrance of you. In the grave, who will give you thanks? I am weary with my groaning all night. I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with my tears. My eye wastes away because of grief. It grows old because of all my enemies. In the midst of everything David was potentially dealing with in his life at this point in time, notice that David turned to the Lord in prayer. He he starts this psalm, this song, which is also a prayer by saying, O Lord, addressing his prayer to Yahweh. You know, whatever lack of confidence David might have been wrestling with because of his circumstances, he was confident that he could come to the Lord with all of his circumstances and difficulties. And I want to encourage us today, in light of David's example here in this psalm, that the way for us to receive confidence in times of difficulty, in times of trouble, is by coming to the Lord, is by seeking him. It's by being reminded of who he is and what he's done and what he's said. We don't know all the circumstances that David was dealing with, but we do see what David did when he faced difficulty, when he faced troubling circumstances, that David turned to the Lord. He cried out in prayer to the Lord, and his example is one that we need to follow. I want to ask us this morning, if we were to gauge sort of how confident we feel in the Lord, do you feel like your confidence, and maybe for me, do do we feel all the time like our confidence is just at an all-time high, or does our confidence in the Lord ebb and flow at times? Is there moments where we're feeling like, wow, God could do anything, I could pray any prayer. God's going to move miraculously. He he can part the sea. He can work radically in this person's life. Or are there also times where sometimes even in our prayer life, as we're praying for someone, it's like almost like we're we're just it's it's just kind of like we're just praying to pray. Like we just we're we're kind of coming haphazardly to the Lord. That God save them, but they're probably not really going to come to you, Lord. (laughs) 
I mean, Lord, work in this. I mean, I've been praying for 20 years, Lord, for this person, but Lord, can you do something? And sometimes our confidence is not where we'd like it to be. There can be times where we've seen God move in the past in some area of our life, in our circumstances, in someone else's life. Isn't that the cool thing about having a testimony to share? That your testimony can inspire and stir confidence in the Lord in someone else's life? That, that when we consider David and all the things that David went through, David went through a lot. I mean, from the moment that he was young to, to know in hindsight as he talks about it that he would kill a bear or a lion if they were coming to snatch one of the sheep that he was shepherding or facing Goliath and believing that God could win a victory and he just uses one stone or all the battles that he faced as a commander under Saul or, or then being on the run from Saul for years. Later in life, being on the run from his son Absalom. All the family drama that David dealt with, the sins that he committed, the discouragement and depression, because I don't know about you, but when I read the Psalms, David dealt clearly with depression at times, and anxiety, and fear, and worry. And there clearly were moments in David's life where he could look back and go, God, you did it, you delivered, you worked, you healed, you rescued, you, you moved, you showed up, you provided. And then we have a psalm like this, where David doesn't always sound that confident. What changed? I, I wanna tell us today that each moment brings a new opportunity to have confidence in the Lord or not. And then in those moments, even when we're lacking in faith, God is working. Even in those moments where we're filled with doubt, God is present. He's seeking to draw us out into greater places of faith, of confidence in who he is. And so it's so important that we're reminded of the faithfulness of God. Even as we sung this morning, you are good, you're good. You're never gonna let me down. Why do we sing that? Because there's times where we feel like he does. There's times where we wonder if he's gonna show up in this moment. God, I know you showed up in the past, but what about right now? And to know that David here even in, is inspiring in, in you and me, confidence presently in the Lord. Confidence in the thing that's gonna to happen tomorrow, the things that's gonna happen next month or next year or five years from now if the Lord tarries. We need, we need these sorts of moments. We need the body of Christ. We need the gathering of the saints. These are crucial things in our lives. We don't know all that David dealt with here but we do know that he turned to the Lord. And once David turns to the Lord, once he cries out in prayer to the Lord, we find David in verses one through three, and then in verse five through the first part of verse eight, bringing the things he was facing to the Lord, like 
feeling the conviction of sin, experiencing physical sickness and suffering and even mental and emotional suffering, feeling distant from the Lord, in need of mercy and healing and deliverance and salvation, wondering if death might be near, and having his nights filled with groaning and weeping because of his enemies. Clearly, things were difficult in David's life, and David was in need of the Lord's help. You know, there are things that can rob us of what I might call godly confidence. I say godly confidence because there's a lot of wrong confidence for us to have. We can be very self-confident where we're actually self-reliant, where we're not God-reliant. And so I'm not talking about that, but that right kind of godly confidence, we can be robbed of that kind of confidence when we face difficulty, whether those things are physical or spiritual or mental and emotional. But once David cries out to the Lord in the beginning of verse one, we see in verses one through three that David must have been dealing with some sort of illness or suffering physically that was also weighing upon him mentally and emotionally. David says that he was weak And that his bones, speaking of the whole self, his whole body was troubled. And that his soul, speaking of the inner self of the mind and and emotions, was greatly troubled. And and it was so serious because in verse 5, he goes on to talk about death. But in light of those things, David cries out to the Lord in verses 1 and 2 to not rebuke him in his anger, to not chasten or discipline him in his hot displeasure, his wrath, but to have mercy on him. Now, it's possible that David was just coming to his own conclusion here, assuming that because of the sickness and and the suffering and the mental anguish that he was going through, that he was in sin and being disciplined by the Lord and that the Lord was angry with him and punishing him. And, you know, with that sort of in mind, it could be, a very human response, you know, for for any of us when dealing with sickness and suffering and depression, to right away think that we did something wrong, that we sin, that God's punishing us, or even that God has distanced himself from us, which in David asking the Lord to return in verse four, clearly David seemed to think, And we don't have time to get into that whole sort of side of things, you know, physical suffering and illness and depression and all of that. That could be a multiple part series just in and of itself. But it's important that we know what God's word says about these things so that we can have the right kind of godly confidence in how we view those things and in how we handle those things if we're experiencing any of them. But we also need to know and sort of the other side of that, that one of the things that will rob us of confidence toward the Lord is unconfessed or unrepentant sin. I don't know about you, but I can think about times in my life where there was stuff that I was struggling with and I felt sort of the crushing weight spiritually of my sin upon my life. 
I felt distanced from the Lord. I can remember specifically in my mind certain circumstances and things that I went through in my life where, where I felt like God was a, mil, was, was a million miles away from me. And I was just buried under the, the, the weight and condemnation of that sin. And if that was what David was dealing with, we can connect with him maybe in some ways on that level. And if, you know, for us, if there's sin in our life that we aren't confessing to the Lord, if we're not repenting of things before the Lord, as a loving father, God will discipline us. Hebrews chapter 12, verses three through 11 speaks into this. And if that's where we're at, confession and repentance are a necessity and we need to humbly submit to the disciplining hand of God. But look, even in that, we can have confidence as sons and daughters of God who have put their faith in Jesus Christ that even when we sin, because it's not if we're gonna sin, you're gonna sin. Some of you might sin before you even leave the campus today. You might get angry at how slow someone is trying to pull out of the parking lot. And in your mind, you're like, Cursing them. Okay, maybe that's too far. I don't mean cursing as in like bad language, like, anyways. <laughs> when we sin, not if we sin, but when we sin, we can have confidence that the Lord will not rebuke us in anger or discipline us in his wrath. Why? Because Jesus took the wrath that was meant for you and for me when he hung upon the cross of Calvary in our place. It's because the Lord loves us that he disciplines us and will discipline us. But we have to remember in those things that God's discipline is always rooted in his love. You ever find yourself, maybe you've been in a place, maybe even this morning, there's someone you're you're struggling with some sin in your life, and you're angry at yourself. You're angry because in your mind, you're feeling like, why am I still dealing with this thing? I should have victory over this thing already. Why isn't there change in this area of my life? Maybe you keep losing your temper with someone, and you are so mad at yourself that you keep doing that specific thing. And we'll sometimes project those things onto the Lord. Like, gosh, if I'm this angry with myself, God must be angry with me too. Or maybe you think, gosh, I'd be angry with me if I were God. But thankfully, God's not like us in those things. God loves us. And in his love, he'll discipline us. You and I are able to have a confidence this side of the cross that David did not have before the cross. But even in that place where David was lacking confidence, he responded the right way with humility, asking the Lord to have mercy on him because he was weak. How many of you guys walk around and tell people how weak you are? Do you guys like to do that? On social media, Do you portray your weakness in all of your posts and stories? No, we present the best possible version of ourselves to other people, don't we? We don't walk out of our house in the morning with still having eye boogers and, you know, like 
we do something about it. Why? Because we don't want people to know how gross we are (laughs) and jacked up we might be. You know, we don't post a picture of our car on social media with it having bird poop all over it. Like, look at my car. Check out my sweet whip. Like, this thing is sick. No, we're like, I'm going to wash it. I'm going to go get it waxed first. I'm going to, unless you're a Jeep owner, in which case you're fine with it being covered in dirt and things. And, and uh, that's all good. But weakness, see, the, the, the thing is, we deal with weakness all the time. Inherently, we're weak on our own. We don't, we don't like to admit that. But David had this humility before the Lord. And, and not just before the Lord, I want us to remember, this is a song that he submitted to the choir director. Like, hey, I want everybody else also to know that I'm weak. Isn't that crazy? I'm weak. And I need the Lord's mercy. No, we want people to think that we've got it all together. And we're just always walking in victory and everything's always just flowers and sausages. Rainbows and unicorns, right? Like, but that's not the case. That's not real life oftentimes for us. We have weakness and we're in need of mercy from the Lord constantly, constantly. In humility, David knew that he didn't deserve mercy, but he was confident in the character of his God, that his Lord was a God who showed mercy to the humble. And and I want us to grab a hold of David's confidence this morning, that we this morning would be able to, to be confident that our God is abundant in mercy. I love in Lamentations chapter three, that Jeremiah says, because of the Lord's mercies, We are not consumed. They're made new every morning. And then he follows it up by saying, great is his faithfulness. How do you you come to the declarations like that? By experiencing the mercy. By experiencing the faithfulness of God in your life. And that's you and me. We're all potential recipients of that. God has that for us even today. David not only asked for mercy, he goes on in verse two to ask for healing and then in verse four to ask for deliverance and salvation. See, David had confidence because of what he knew of the character of the Lord to come to the Lord in prayer and ask the Lord for mercy. But we also see that David had confidence because of what he knew of the power of the Lord to ask the Lord to heal and deliver and save. Whether it was the physical illness and suffering he was dealing with, or the emotional and mental suffering he was dealing with, or the circumstantial suffering as a result of his enemies that he was dealing with, David was confident that the Lord had power to do something about the difficulties that he was facing. And again, would we grab a hold of David's confidence this morning in the power of our God? He's able Does he always show up exactly like we want him to? No, he doesn't. 
How many of you guys have had prayers where you're like, that did not turn out at all like I was praying? I mean, I could just testify even of eight years of church planning, like the prayers that I have prayed over the last years. How about just, let's just take the last two years, two and a half years of the pandemic. How many of those prayers maybe that we prayed have have all come and they're exactly like we prayed for them to be? No, some of us might be still struggling might still be in the the sickness, might still have the suffering, might still have the anxiety, but to still trust in the power of God to meet us while we're still in the thing, while we're still in the midst of the trial, when things haven't changed yet, when we haven't seen maybe the miracle that we've been praying for, It didn't keep David from praying for it. Keep praying. I love it in Luke chapter 18, verse one. Luke prefaces a parable that that Jesus gave by saying that Jesus gave the parable so that people would know always to pray and never to lose heart. How many of you have lost heart in prayer? I have, for sure. And sometimes that lack of prayer is because I have a lack of confidence in the character of God, but also in the power of God. But God wants to meet us there. He's able to work in those things. He's able to heal and deliver and to save. I want us to notice in the second half of verse three through verse seven, that, that even with the confidence that David had about the character and the power of the Lord, that David still wrestled with a lack of confidence of understanding the ways of the Lord. Any of you guys figured out all the ways of the Lord yet? Man, wouldn't that be awesome? <laughs> Join the club, I should say, because I also have not. But after praying for mercy and healing in verse three, David cries out, but you, O Lord, how long? Do you think David said it like that? I I think he might have. How long? Lord, when? When is this gonna change? When is the trial gonna stop? When's the miracle gonna come? When's the provision gonna show up? When are my circumstances going to be different? Lord, when is this relational strain going to be resolved? Lord, how long? Can I encourage you this morning that God can handle the how longs? He can handle the whys. Lord, why? God, how long? David here, he's just, not to gross anybody, not to you, like, he just, you ever met somebody who just kind of vomits everything that's going on in their life onto you and you just leave feeling like, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> David did that in the Psalms constantly, constantly, he just, everything in his life, every problem that he faced, every struggle internally that he was dealing with, he just, He threw it all onto God. Why? Because he believed God cared. 
He believed God could do something. He believed as God was there and, 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 and wanted to work in those things. But again, would we grab a hold of the confidence of David and make that our own confidence this morning? If we're asking how long God can handle that, or if we're asking why God can handle that, but if we're asking why, could I, could I submit a different option of a word there? Instead of why, to say what? Lord, what are you wanting to do here? Lord, what are you desiring to accomplish through this thing that I'm going through that I'd rather not be going through? Or maybe how, how do you want to receive glory through this thing? His response in verse four was to ask the Lord to return and deliver and to save and to show mercy. Instead of asking the Lord why here, he was allowing David to go through all he was going through. He called out to the Lord just to draw near. Lord, I just want that nearness with you. God, just, I need that closeness of fellowship with you. And even with that, even with all of these prayers, even with all the lament here, in verses six and seven, he just continues to cry out to the Lord. He, the threats and oppression of his enemies were so strong. David talks about groaning and weeping, even saying, you know, maybe with a little bit of exaggeration here that he made his bed swim because of all his tears. David was in a dark place. But even in that dark place, with all the weeping, with all the tears, with all the emotions, with all the struggles, with all his fears, with all his uncertainties, it's important we see that all of this David was bringing to the Lord in prayer. This reminded me of what Peter encourages us to do in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7. Peter writes there, he says, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. God cares for your cares. What you care about, God cares. He cares. I don't, I just use that example of someone vomiting everything. Like, we would rather, I think, not have somebody tell us everything in their mind. Do you want everybody to know every single thing that you think about? That, oh man, that's a scary thought. And God's saying, look, take all of those things and you cast them to me. All the things that you care, all the weights that you're carrying, cast them to me. Why? Because God cares for us. And not just does he care, he's able to do something about the things that we care about, about the cares that we carry. David did that here. But then, Finally, in verses 8 through 7, eight, 8 through 7, there's no 7 here. I'm just making up words. Anyways, verses 8 through 10, though, we're going to see David's confident declaration about the Lord. Verse 8, David says, Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, for the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed and greatly troubled. Let them turn back 
and be ashamed suddenly. You know, this is a still kind of a weird shift. When we see the rest of the psalm, we're like, what happened all of a sudden? Something changed about David's situation? How did he all of a sudden have this confidence here to say, the Lord has heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord has heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. We don't know what might have changed. Maybe God gave him encouragement he had forgiven him. Maybe the Lord healed him of whatever illness he was dealing with. Maybe the Lord gave David victory over his enemies that were oppressing him. And while any of those things might have happened, I want to submit a fourth option and one that maybe many of us have seen to be true in our lives, that maybe in the midst of the chastening of the Lord because of sin, maybe in the midst of still dealing with illness and suffering and discouragement and depression, maybe in the midst of enemies still coming against him, that David came to a point without yet seeing God bring healing or bring deliverance or bring salvation in his circumstances of being able to rest in and trust in the Lord because his God had never not been faithful. I want to encourage you this morning that God doesn't just have peace for you when the thing finally works out. When the suffering's gone when the anxiety is gone, when the relational strain is gone, when that financial difficulty has been figured out. No, he's got peace for you now. His peace that surpasses all understanding. Now. He has confidence for you and for me now before we see the outcome. And because of all these, you know, because of the confidence David had, he was no longer consumed with fear because of his enemies, but trust that the Lord could cause his enemies to turn back in shame at what they had done to David. Again, we don't know what David was facing, but we see what David did when facing difficulty. And that was turn to the Lord. I just encourage us this morning as the worship team comes back up that God has confidence for us today. He has grace and mercy in abundance for you and me today. Forgiveness of sin. Our God is able to heal and to deliver and to, and to save And no matter where we're at, that he is here. He's present. He's walking with us. He's not left us. He's never going to abandon us. He will never forsake us. And this morning for you and I to grab a hold, the testimony of David, that we would grab a hold of this confidence in the character and power of God to be people who bring all that we're dealing with to Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening. If you would like more teachings and information about Calvary Monterey, please visit calvary.com. You can also find books, teachings through the Bible, and articles from our lead pastor at nateholdridge.com. Thanks again for tuning in. See you next week.